The following program is made possible by the faithful friends and supporters of Higher Aim. Well, welcome. I'm so glad you have joined us today. Today we are completing the series of the seven last words from the cross. And today is where Jesus prayed this prayer, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Do you have that kind of confidence in your life? Is your relationship with God that intimate? But today we're going to look at that and it's going to be a challenge for us to look at our lives and try to line up with His perfect will. Join us, stay with us all the way through. And now we come to a last word. And I want you to focus your attention to Luke 23. And we're going to read verses 44 through 46. Follow along with me. Here's what the Bible says. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. It's very powerful, and you and I need to grab hold of this. And I just want to give you just a, a couple of things that I've noticed that kids ask. Uh, uh, when they're born into your family, the, you're probably never more close to your children than when they're young. And there are about four basic questions that they always ask. The first one is this. Here it is. What did you bring me? What did you bring me? I cannot think of one time uh, when our kids were young that when I traveled and I would come home that I wouldn't hear at least from one of them, not where have you been, but what did you bring me? And so therefore, anytime I came off a trip, I, I tried to remember to bring something. And uh, if I didn't have something, well, I'd pull out dollars. You know, it's just, and, and, and they, I think they understood that. But it was the mentality of, what did you bring me? You see, that relationship of personal provision is very tight between a parent and a child. You know that, don't you? They don't have any questions spending your money, parents. They don't have uh, any qualms about you giving them more than you gave them last week. That they don't think twice about, about uh, you buying them something new because they needed it. You see, God wants us to live in that kind of communion with Him where we are, we are actually trusting Him for every need in our life right then and there. And many of us here tonight, though we are celebrating what Jesus did on the cross, we are still in that relationship needing God to come through. Whether it's to open up a door of opportunity for a business deal or provision for our family financially or to restore relationships that are broken and shattered or maybe even the healing of your body, you're still expecting God to provide. And I have good words for you. In Philippians 4.19, the scripture says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches 
in Christ Jesus. Now, God wants you to be in relationship with him just like that. There's another thing kids ask, and, and that is, do I have to? Do I have to? Sometimes we move from that aspect uh, from provision to guidelines. And God wants us to, to be in such relationship with him that our walk, our every step is what God wants. Remember, we've talked about it time and time again where Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. He lived within those guidelines, and he lived within the will of God, and he aligned his life with the will of God in every aspect of his entire existence. And God wants us to do the very same thing. He wants us to live as men and women who look at his word and say, Lord, okay, I'll do your word, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it, and even if it cuts against the culture. We have a lot of people who want to redefine the Word of God today, you know that, to do what they want. And there are many preachers today who will applaud that and say, God wants you happy, so you just do what you want to do, and we'll find a verse somewhere or another, because you know God is love. And out of balance, the theology turns into heresy, and people don't understand what it means to walk in that union with God and align their lives with the guidelines of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Are you living lined up with his guidelines? Are you doing that financially? Are you doing it with your heart? Are you doing that with your relationship, with your time, your energy, everything about you? Are you aligning yourself with the Father? You see, Jesus did that. That's why he could call the Heavenly Father, Father. There's another thing that uh, kids ask, and that is, where is my fill-in-the-blank? It's usually a toy, it may be a blanket, it may be something that they feel like that they need, but they're literally asking for direction. And God wants us to live seeking Him and seeking His will. And instead of deciding what we want to do and then giving it a popcorn prayer so we can tell somebody, oh yeah, I prayed about it, He wants us to stay long enough with him that we find his direction and we find it in his word. I love quoting Psalm 119, 105 that says, thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. If you want to find out what God's will is, do you want to find out where God wants you to go, what he wants you to do, what he wants you to believe, then you need to stay in the word. That's important. And then there's another question that they ask. Are we there yet? My answer always when my kids were young were 45 more minutes, 45 more minutes, and then five minutes later. Are we there yet? Here's the deal. You and I were not there yet. Jesus was right there. He was right there at death's door. And as the Son of God, he was able to lay his life down. You see, that's what he did. He committed his spirit to the Father, and he knew that he was there. You and I need to understand that God wants us to live in that aspect of trusting God to get us there. Remember what he said in John 10.10, I've come that 
they may have life and might have it more abundantly. God wants you to live in the there right now with his joy, with his abundance in your life. However, that won't happen unless there is unity and fellowship as with the Father, with the Son. And that is essential. You see, joy and confidence flow with fellowship with God. I love the old story of a grandfather walking along with a grandson, and the grandfather looked down at the little boy and said, where are we? And he looked up and said, I I don't know. And the grandfather said, well, how do we get back? And the little boy said, I don't know. And the grandfather looked back at him and said, sounds like you're lost, boy. The little boy looked back up at him and said, I can't be lost. I'm with you. Let me tell you something. God wants you to walk with him in that intimacy. And the only thing that keeps that intimacy flowing is a relationship with Christ. And being in relationship, not just when you got saved when you were 12 years old, but right now, today. Are you living? Are you doing? Are you walking? Are you thinking? Are you breathing in the fellowship and relationship with the Father? You see, you know what kids care about? They care about things being okay with their parents. No child likes to be out of fellowship with a parent. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to do some things that create that fellowship rift. But deep down inside, They long for the smile of their father. They long for the hug of their mother. And God wants us to have that too. I want you to hear of the intimacy here. What a person to be. That's exactly as Jesus was with the heavenly father. He wants us to be with him right now. And it all comes when you are willing. There's another statement I would share, and that is what a prayer to pray. What a prayer to pray. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let me just say this. Surrender and faith are the keys to successful Christian living. Total surrender, total faith is very important. Let me me give you a thought like this. Faith plus surrender brings the power of God to bear. If you're not experiencing the power of God in your life, either faith is missing or surrender is missing. Because where there is real faith, there'll be real surrender. And where there's real surrender, there'll be real faith. And that's why Jesus could pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Total surrender, total commitment, total giving in to the Father. I I love the story of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody got saved because when he was 21 years of age in in Boston, he was a shoe clerk. But he had started attending a Sunday school class. You who teach Sunday school with students, with children, with adults, don't ever minimize the power and the influence of your heart invested in the lives of those God entrusts to you. This Sunday school teacher was so burdened that he took off work and went to go see D.L. Moody. And he sat down 
in the very back of the storeroom of the shoe store where he was working, and he lost his composure. He didn't share with him the four spiritual laws. He was not able to go through any kind of evangelism uh, explanation. He didn't even share the Romans road with him. But out of brokenness and a burden for D.L. Moody, his Bible study teacher, his name was Kimball, looked at him and began to weep, a grown man weeping, and he said, D.L., I'm concerned about your soul, and that he lost it. He began to weep, and so he got up without saying another word and left. D.L. Moody later said, that man cared more about my soul than, than I did. Here he was, and he was weeping over my condition. And those tears broke D.L. Moody's heart. And that day, he turned from his sin and placed his faith in Christ. And God would raise up this man who only had an eighth grade education. He only had an eighth grade education. But let me tell you something. God's hand was on him. When he would speak in different places, people would often laugh at him when he spoke, not because he was eloquent or he would tell funny stories, but because his grammar was so bad. One time he was speaking in England and the royalty and the academia uh, uh, crowd was there and they began to laugh out loud as he began to speak and to share the story of the gospel. But by the time he was through speaking, those very same people were broken and their hearts were warm to the presence of God and they were on their knees crying out, oh Jesus, save me. One man once said, apparently D.L. Moody must have a monotony, no, let me say it again, you know, I'm paid to speak, uh, a monopoly on God. And another wise old saint said, no, D.O. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on God. God has a monopoly on D.O. Moody. You see, God wants to do something in your life for his glory. And the, the kind of life that will happen in your life and the kind of prayer that you will pray that God will really use in your life will be because you have lined up with him and you're in love with him and you enjoy him. He only lived to 28 years of age. He was born in the 20s and he would die January the 8th, 1956, 28 years old. His name was Jim Elliott, and during a, a mission effort down in Ecuador, he and four other missionaries, the oldest one was 32, were killed by the very people that they had come to witness to and share Christ with. And there on that riverbank, he lost his life. Somewhere between six and seven years before he would pay the ultimate price for sharing the gospel, he would write down in one of his journals, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep.
to gain what he cannot lose. And just days before he would pass, he wrote these words. 28 years old. God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. And his life would not be long, but it would be full. And still the impact upon that tribe today that only has about 2,500 people in it and continues to move deeper and deeper into the bush. History doesn't tell us much about this, but few people know that the widows of those young men who died, including Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, would go into that tribe and they would have the privilege of leading the very people who killed their husbands to faith in Christ. And it literally ended the, the, the tribal revenge killings that had gone on for generations upon generations. God allowed his life to burn. It was short, but it burned bright. I don't know how long any of us have. You don't know when you'll buy the farm, I don't know when I'll buy the farm. I don't really wanna purchase any farms right now. And I know you don't either, but regardless of how long you live, your life needs to count. It needs to make a difference. You need to do more than make a living. You need to make an impact. You need to be more than a collector of things. But a person who is so in tune with the Father that you live, you pray, because you're lined up in union, just like Jesus was with the Father. Don't allow yourself to excuse yourself because you're not educated enough or you're not deep enough or you've not followed Christ long enough. Do not compare yourself to other believers. They are not your measuring stick. Jesus is. And he desires for you and he desires for me to be men and women who are lined up with him completely. I need to hurry and tell you one last word, and that is simply this. What a position of peace. What a position of peace when he cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There is peace in those words. He laid his life down willingly and dismissed his spirit at that particular moment in time. You see, Jesus, because of that union with the Father, knew exactly the time of his departure, and he could pray a prayer just like that. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's a position of peace. Do you have that kind of peace in your life? You see, you and I, need to stay right there. Stay right there at the cross, being in fellowship with the cross, because that's where the judgment of God was poured. That's where the fire of the judgment of God was placed. One person once said, a fire cannot come where the fire has already been. And because 
If you've given your life to Christ and he's Lord of your life, you've turned from sin and thrown yourself on his mercy, then let me tell you something. The judgment of God has passed over you and God's judgment will not fall because it has already fallen on Christ because of what he has done for you and for me. And that gives us a position of peace. You see, God wants us to be men and women who long for that kind of peace, to be in fellowship with, with, with him when we live and when we die. God wants us to be longing to know him in intimacy. And when that happens, it changes everything, how you live, how you think, and even how you pass from this life into the next. Because barring the second coming of Jesus, we are all terminal. I want to end with telling you a, a simple story. Years ago, there was a little boy who had an incurable disease. Month after month, his mother nursed him. And he would finally realize that he was unlike other boys. He couldn't go out and play. And the doctors had told his parents that it would not be long before he would, would leave this planet. And so his mother would read him story after story after story, and she would read him King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and stories about Lancelot and Elaine and, and the lily maid of Astolat. And the last battle of uh, many nights where they would finally meet their death. And then he asked her that question, Mama, what's it like to die? Does it hurt? She immediately excused herself, saying that she needed to go get something in the kitchen because she didn't want him to see her weep. Because she knew she needed to talk to him. And so she breathed a brief prayer and said, God, give me right words. So she walked in and said, son, remember as a tiny little boy, you would play hard during the day. And when night came, you were just so tired to undress, you would tumble into our bed, your dad's bed, my bed, and you would fall asleep. But that wasn't your bed. That wasn't where you belonged. And then the next morning, you would wake up, and you would wake up in another room. You'd wake up in your bed. She said, the reason that happened was when you fell asleep, your father would come with his strong arms and pick you up and take you to another room and place you in the very bed that you needed to be in. And as she told him the story, his eyes lit up and she knew the point had been driven home and he never asked her again, will it hurt to die? What's it like to die? And just a few short weeks later, he went to bed and he fell asleep, but he ended up in another room. 
You see, when Jesus cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he knew that he was going to another room. You remember what Jesus told his disciples on that very night that he would be arrested? The very night that they were all together, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If I go, I'm gonna come back and get you so that where I am, you'll be with me also. Thomas said, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. In just a moment, Dr. Dodd will return with a closing thought. During the month of June, we salute dads. It's their job to lead, provide, and love their families. Sometimes the job can be a little overwhelming, so we'd like to help. We've created a special card with examples of great dads from the Bible. You can use it for a bookmark or just keep it handy for a great reference. It's our hope that all dads will choose to be like these men. To receive your free card with examples of the dad you've always wanted to be, call or go online today. Well, what about it? How is your intimacy with God? I mean, are you tight with the Father? Could you say that what you're doing right now, how you're living right now, even how you're praying right now, is exactly what God would have you? You know, that, that's a very, very important question. And I pray that you would realize that's where the peace is. When you align your life up with Jesus, when you walk with Him in that intimacy as father and child, oh, there's power there. And that again is where the peace flows. Not just the power, but the peace. And I want to invite you right now, if you're struggling in that area, would you call us? We have people who are standing by right now who would consider it a real privilege to pray with you, to listen to you, just to connect with you. And I promise you, you call someone who's got a heart for Christ and a heart for you will pick up that phone. Call us, would you? And by the way, even after this program is over, you can still connect with us. All you need to do is go to higheraim.org and you can sign up for a daily devotion. Every day there will be a devotion free of charge that will go directly to your email box. So I want to invite you to sign up for that and you can do that by going to higheraim.org. Okay? Uh, additionally, if you call us, we have a, a free gift that we would like to give you just to say thank you for partnering with us. And we want to invite you to partner with us. We could sure use your support financially, your prayer support uh, spiritually. And to tell you the truth, we're in this together because our one desire is to make Jesus known. So connect with us even now. God bless you. And until next time, keep your eyes on Christ. He 
is the highest aim. Thank you for joining us on Higher Aim. Have you been encouraged by what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you. Call 1-800-491-4400. Visit us at higheraim.org or write to us at Higher Aim, Post Office Box 8100, Omaha, Nebraska 68108. Thank you again for joining us. See you next time on Higher Aim. The preceding program was brought to you by the faithful supporters of Higher Aim.